0: Hi, this is Tony Tolado, and this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. My Christmas marathon continues with the legendary Forrest J. Ackerman. Forey, as he is known to his fans, I had the pleasure of talking to him at a sci-fi convention. And we'll have him in just a moment. He was an agent, a publisher of famous monsters, and an avid genre collector. His name was Forey Ackerman, and he even coined the term sci-fi. Here is a vintage conversation with the late great Forey Ackerman.
1: First meeting of the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society in in 1935, and uh, recently we had the, the 60th anniversary. Uh, a E Van Vogt was there, and I gave a little reminiscing talk about it. And, in the earliest days great gods came down from mount olympus uh, science fiction authors like david h keller and arthur j burks and edmund hamilton and uh, we young fans were thrilled by them then a young fellow named wayne woodard came to the club and our eyeballs popped out when we saw his fabulous artwork because he eventually became hannes buck ray bradbury was so impressed by box work that uh, he took it with him to New York in 1939 for the first world science fiction convention I lent Bradbury 50 bucks to spend three and a half days and nights on a Greyhound bus to get there and uh, there were about 185 of us at the first world convention now there may be 8, 9 10,000 out of the 185 we had a banquet so expensive that only 29 could afford it I couldn't even afford to lend Ray Bradbury the money. It was $1 a plate. <laughs>
2: wow. Did he ever pay back that $50? Uh,
1: yes, he did, and uh, he must be thinking in terms of inflation because he never fails uh, in any lecture he gives. It's gone up first. To, I let him 60 then 75 and I think it's up to $90 in his memory. <laughs> <laughs> what was it
2: like in the early days when you started Famous Monsters of Film, then, which I consider one of the, the fathers of all the genre magazines?
1: Well, in uh, in 1957, there were 55 of us chartered a plane fans in uh, New York and flew over to London for the World Science Fiction Convention. And afterwards, we all had a couple of free weeks on the continent. I went to uh, France. And in Paris, I noticed a movie magazine that ordinarily was about all sorts of films. But this was totally on uh, fantasy. So I just picked it up for my collection. Well, I got back to New York, and uh, as a literary agent, which I still am representing about 200 authors of science fiction, I met up with a publisher who had been putting out kind of a poor man's playboy called After Hours, and the fourth issue was a sort of a science fiction-oriented issue. I had a little futuristic story in it, and... uh, I think a feature called I Was a Spy for the FBI, the Fantasy Bureau of Investigation, and uh, I Was a Sci-Fi Addict, and so on. And the uh, publisher took one look at this uh, French fantasy film magazine, and in his mind eye he could see it all turning into English. And he thought, well, he'd have a already made one shot here. He didn't much care for if the magazine was about Brigitte Bardot or Marilyn Monroe or the Beatles as long as he could sell copies. He didn't expect subscriptions or that it would survive. Well, he was frustrated to find that uh, no single individual owned all of the photos in the magazine and he would have to deal with half a dozen Frenchmen. And also when he began translating it seemed was kind of dull and dry and he was going to give up on the notion and I said, well, don't look now, but I've been seeing these sort of films from 1922 to the present, and I have 35,000 stills at that point. It's grown to about 125,000 now. So uh, he didn't know if I was for real. He came out to to Hollywood to check me out, and when he saw it was all true, set me down at a a dining room table with a typewriter, and uh, for 20 hours a day I was there with that hot typewriter uh, uh, it was smoking so much I was afraid it was gonna die of cancer and uh, the publisher had an imaginary sign in the air said I'm eleven and a half years old and I am your reader mister Ackerman make me laugh well I had no intention of making anybody laugh I thought this is once in a lifetime I intended to put out something called Wonderama which would be kind of an encyclopedia with one full page on frankenstein and dracula and king kong and but uh, so i i wrote it to a formula of making 11 and a half year old kids laugh and about six weeks later i was in a, a swimming pool and a mother was there talking to another mother said you wouldn't believe the crazy magazine my kid brought up with all these messed up faces said uh, there was a picture of a mummy and it said he fell into a swimming pool and became an instant mud pie and everybody in the pool was breaking up and i thought well, you know that came out of my fingers about six weeks ago well the first issue of famous monsters was not distributed nationally it was just a tryout in new york and philadelphia and unfortunately, in in New York, there was a big snowstorm, and uh, snow was up about three feet around the, the uh, kiosks, and the publisher was afraid this was going to be death doom and destruction that nobody would be going out to buy Playboy or Life or Look or anything, let alone our curiosity. But at the end of four days, he called up and said, "Oh my lord, we got 50 letter, we got 200 letters uh, here already, just from uh, New York and Philly," and he said, that carries on like this around the country I think we have a big hit on our hand he said you think you could possibly squeeze out one more issue and I said well I don't happen to believe in reincarnation but in case I'm surprised and I keep coming back for the next five thousand years I think yes I can go on and on and on without repeating myself so just uh, before I left LA uh, put to bed issue number 208 and uh, been bringing Halloween to the kids of the country for years, and these kids have grown up and turned out to be Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and John Landis. Uh, Stephen King sent me his first story when he was 14 years old, and I finally published it. and I gave him sudden riches a-, a check for 25 bucks a <laughs> man who gets $10 million advances for books he hasn't written yet. <laughs> yeah,
2: isn't it
1: awesome? um, do you have a favorite horror movie or science fiction movie uh, well i tell you i've seen metropolis eighty five times trying to make up my mind how i feel about it I, i think that might possibly qualify as my favorite science fiction film and uh, as for horror nobody's ever surpassed lon Chaney as the phantom of the opera i agree with that that's a that's a classic um, what do you like that's out now not much not much really? uh, no, I mean, all of the guts and gore and slashers and so on. I've even been in a, inadvertently a couple of, I got my head blown off in a, in a film called Ceremony. <laughs> I thought that might be the end of my, movie career, but they tell me actors are losing their heads every day in Hollywood, and they, they go right on working. And my 49th cameo, it's, I don't know whether anybody's going to believe that performance or not, because I'm required to run away from a 60-foot centerfold from Playboy, rather than toward
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's called the attack of the 60-foot centerfolds. Oh, no. And I'm signed up for my 50th cameo coming up will be in Dinosaur Valley Girl.
0: <laughs> There's more of my conversation with Foree Ackerman in just a moment. More reminiscing with Fory Ackerman.
2: Are you just are you amazed at the adulation that you get for what yes, you've done?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I n- never quite get used to it.
2: <laughs> well, I will tell you, it is uh, it's such a thrill for me to talk to you because of what you've done. Um, it's because of people like you why science fiction is so big right now. Um, what do you what would you give it to advice if somebody like wants to write science fiction or get into that as a as a career?
1: Well, I just uh, gave such advice uh, I have an open house approximately 40 weekends out of the year as long as I'm here and not in Taiwan or Transylvania or somewhere <laughs> and uh, I would think after 23 years of these 40 times a year that would have exhausted everybody on earth but they they keep coming there was a a group of forty graduates from MIT came recently and uh, the week before there were thirty uh, senior citizens and then the other day uh, uh, a number of school kids from second and third grade and a number of them were interested in being uh, writers of science fiction so I advise them to go to the library and get a number of the the better anthologies to see what has been done already so they don't Right, uh, the the story of going back and killing their grandfather, and then they're never born, or <laughs> or, I, I <laughs> or uh, adam and and Evelyn, who uh, go back in the time machine and. Uh, are are stranded with nobody else on Earth, and they wake up to that. Why, my good Lord, why we're Adam and Eve, aren't we? <laughs>
2: There's. Uh, I have to ask you about your your collection of memorabilia, which is an amazing. The things that you
1: have. Well, it's only eighteen rooms and three hundred thousand things. I, I don't know. <laughs> What's do you have like a favorite piece, or that's probably a hard question to answer. Oh, I I sure do. Uh, fell in love with that Metropolis robot tricks when I was, was ten say, years old. And uh, she was probably blown to bits in the blitz of Berlin. Nobody knows what became of her, so I employed a couple of talented young chaps, and they spent a year and a half and 600 hours and reconstructed the the robot for me. I call her Ultima Futura Automaton. Those are the initials UFA of the studio that that made her. And also because in 1926, little nine-year-old me stood in front of a newsstand And the October Amazing Stories jumped off the newsstand, grabbed hold of me. And most of your listeners are probably too young to realize it, but in 1926, magazines spoke. And this one said, Take me home, little boy, you will love me. Three years later, my mother was quite concerned. She said, Son, do you realize how many of these magazines you have? I just counted them. Well, you have 27. Can can you imagine by the time you're a grown man, you might have 100? Well, mother lived in my 18-room home till she was 94, and uh, I don't know really how many magazines I have. But the mayor of Los Angeles sent four librarians around one day, and after they picked their eyeballs up off the floor and poked them back in their sockets, they went to work and told me that to I have 50,000 books, and I'm I'm getting a psychic impression. One of your listeners, yes, one of your listeners is about to say. Shirley, Mister, and don't call me Shirley. Uh, you you haven't read all of those books. I want your listeners to know I've read every last word in my collection. Wow! When I get a new book, I turn to the last page and read the last word.
2: Wow! That's I'm I'm not going to question. I will not question. That. Well, i tell you, this has been such a thrill for me. Uh, I mean, you are part of science fiction history as far as I'm concerned. And what you have done for science fiction, from all the people that can't be here to say it, I say thank you, and uh, especially all the uh, the sons that you sort of have fathered, like the Stephen Kings and the John Landis's and the Steven Spielberg. What do you think of
1: Jurassic Park, by the way? Uh, certainly a, a quantum jump in, in uh, animation. I... I realize now that we can go to Edgar Rice, Burroughs, Mars or the center of the Earth. There's really nothing the human imagination can't come up with. It that, uh This is impossible to see on the screen. Uh, I only wish that uh, they would uh, combine the the uh, terrific technology with storytelling once again. That's the
2: key. That Uh, is the key. The the problem with Hollywood is not technology; it's the writing, mm -hmm. and that's why there's a lot of movies that are so forgettable. Uh, I mean, Jurassic Park had its problems. Yeah. But uh, it was a it was I liked it because I grew up with the Ray Harryhausen movies, and I said, "Wow." I was just amazed I go this is wow this is the way this is what it all leads up to now
1: when I uh, leave here I'm going to Berlin I'll be with Ray Harryhausen there uh, this is the 100th year of uh, since the creation of motion pictures Mm. and all around the world there are a variety of celebrations and in Berlin they're going to have uh, an exhibition called beauties and the beasts Mm -hmm. in uh, in films and I've sent them over uh, posters from King Kong and Frankenstein and Dracula and and some of the objects I have from the films like the Exorcist and the Metaluna Mutant from, oh, I love the Metaluna. from uh, this <laughs> island Earth. And, ooh. <laughs> no trouble at all. <laughs> You know, it was. Uh, you may call me by my maiden name, Mistress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the movie of his that really impressed me, now that I know it was all done by hand, would have to be uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, Thank you very much. You bet.
1: The skeleton scene in Jason and the Argonauts oh, to me. Yeah.
2: It, was, oh, yeah. it wasn't It was done by computers. This man no, just did it himself. No.
1: And actually, so I mean, did you see it? the other night, the uh, one of the new uh, Outer Limits where they had. No, I haven't seen that. Thousands of oogly little, little creatures and, and none of them existed, all computers. And no, I haven't
2: seen the New Outer Limit. I like the old one a lot too. That was uh, that was the classic. That was a very classic. I know you covered it in your magazine back in 1963 when yes. it first came out. Yes. I mean, I have some of those issues uh, hanging around somewhere.
1: See, you want to show your listeners uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula ring? Whoa! I, I wish this
2: was television but uh, that's the actual... Uh, actual ring. Oh yes. Wow. Oh yes, there's the bat. Uh-huh. Whoa, and the D. Oh, that is, that is, folks, I so wish you could see this. This is this is an incredible thrill for me to see this ring, which I consider the original Dracula, one of the best. I have it in my collection. I watch it and rewatch it. All the Universal monsters. I have such a very soft spot in my heart for the original Frankenstein. Oh, even though you know, even some of the bad ones that weren't as good, and, and I th- I think Abbott Costello Meet Frankenstein is hilarious. What yeah. a great movie. <laughs> Love that movie! It is so funny, and the. the the, what makes it work is that all the actors playing the monsters play it straight. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't goof on the image of the monsters, and yet they're able to have fun with it too. It's it's hysterical. But you know the, the original Frankenstein with James Whale and Dracula and and the original Wolfman. I mean Jack Pierce, what a great makeup well,
1: artist. Yes, indeed. It was kind of tragic. Uh, he didn't exactly have a funeral. He had a bit of a memorial, but I don't think more than about ten or twelve people were were there and uh, well now the uh, the Ed Wood film it's a little known fact that I was Ed Wood's literary or perhaps illiterary uh, (laughs) agent and uh, that picture is so inaccurate I knew Bela Lugosi the last three years of his life he never used a cane never said so much as uh, uh, a hell or a damn he was a real gentleman and they have him saying he's absolutely scatological things in the the film particularly uh, running down Boris Karloff which he never did in my presence and uh, they show a pathetic little group of eight or ten people at his funeral well I happen to be the 101st person who passed by his uh, his coffin out of 103 of us and there was no such thing as all his uh, wild mongrels in, in the theater yelling and screaming and tearing up the the uh, the seats when Lugosi walked in because he was in a hospital when that happened, and they uh, he, he didn't fight around with a, a fake octopus that was done by George Beckwar, um, a, a, a double for him, and uh, altogether incredibly inactive, the uh, inaccurate rather, the uh, only saving grace, uh, very good uh, impersonation by uh, Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Landau rightfully yeah. got his, his Oscar. If, if it hadn't been written by two kids who weren't even alive when Bela died, or if they had um, asked me to... Or, uh, kind of one of those questions, uh, well, uh, don't, don't spoil it with accuracy, you know. We've made up our mind what we <laughs> want to show.
2: That's a shame. I'm surprised I would have... If I were doing something like that, you'd be one of the first people I approach about that. Because, I mean, you knew Lugosi. I mean, you Lugosi. Know, I mean, you have to go to people that are that know what this man was like to do some kind of accurate portrayal of what he was like. That's a shame. That really is a shame.
0: Man, it's great to hear that again. Those are the interviews I treasure of the ones of the folks that aren't with us any longer because it's timeless to have their voice there.
1: This is Forrest J. Ackerman, just flown in from Horrorwood, California, to be on Sci-Fi Talk.